We're going to be continuing to try to finish up Psalm 18. And we've got two more weeks after this one. I know, right? That'll be okay. But after we're done with that, we're going to be heading into a series uh, called, I think called, Harmony of the Gospels. We'll be taking uh, all the Gospels and, and working through them uh, from beginning to, to end. Uh, yeah, it's like 120-some sermons, so buckle up. It's going to be fun. We won't do it all at once. We'll, we'll split it up into other things and kind of uh, uh, not stay there all the whole time. But we are going to start November 3rd, and this little yellow card is in your bulletin. Um, just an important notice, uh, if you go to Sunday school, you're involved in a, involved in a Bible study here on campus at 10 a.m., uh, a little change to the schedule coming up on the 3rd. If you're not involved in Sunday school and you want to be a part of this, you're more than welcome to that. So all junior high through adult classes will be uh, meeting for one Sunday school class taught in the sanctuary starting November 3rd, and it'll be at 10 o'clock for, for three Sundays in November, okay? So for the first three Sundays in November, we're in here. And what we're, we're trying to do is uh, when we start this sermon series off, there's going to be a lot of kind of foundation that needs to be laid, some tables that need to be set, and, and some explanations that need to be given. So that's what we're going to attempt to do. And I, I'm not going to attempt to do that in a sermon time. I already go long enough as it is. So we're going to have a time during Sunday school where we're going to kind of unpack and pull out all these bigger, deeper truths. So if you notice that card, uh, the first Sunday is November 3rd. We're going to be talking about the Synoptic Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and how they relate to John and, and how, what, what their purposes are, why each book was written, um, how it kind of fills in this whole picture of Jesus and the life of Jesus. So that's going to be an awesome uh, opportunity on the third. The 10th, we're going to be talking about the pre-existence of Christ. So uh, not that, you know, in that sermon will be about that as well. We see in John 1, where in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, we're talking about Jesus. We're going to see Jesus there. We're going to see uh, Genesis 1. We're going to look at Colossians that day and look at the pre-existence of Christ. But if we look at the pre-existence of Christ, what we're saying is that Christ was not a created being, but that he was God and present at creation. And Colossians says that nothing that has been made was made without him. He made everything. So we're going to be looking at, uh, during that Sunday school hour, we're going to be looking at the Trinity, a deeper look at the Trinity and trying to explain that and comprehend the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, three, three in, persons in one God. All right, that'll be that November 10th. And then we're going to look at Sunday, November 11th. We're going we're to be diving into in that sermon time, uh, Christ's ancestry. And I know we spent some time on that maybe last year, last Christmas time. We're we'll going to be looking at that again, and then during the Sunday school hour, we're going to be talking about uh, the hypostatic union, which is not, we're not only speaking about the Trinity and that Jesus is fully God, but we're talking about Jesus is fully God and he is fully man. And how in the world does that work? And if it doesn't work, we're hosed, right? So we need to really look at that. For the first three weeks in November, it's going to be an awesome opportunity. I encourage everybody to come be a part of that. Certainly, if you go to first service, you're going to catch a lot of content during the first service, and then you'll be in, sun in Sunday school hour and Bible study here. Uh, just, just get up and stretch, go get another coffee, and come back in, okay? Yeah, and maybe you want to you go to second service, like, like all of you do. Uh, go to the, go, come, be a part of that 10 o'clock here, uh, get some foundations laid, and then you'll, it'll just build upon it with the sermon. So they're meant to work together and in conjunction. So that'll be great. The, the final Sunday of that month is a celebration Sunday. It's the uh, Sunday before Thanksgiving. So it's our Celebration Sunday service. We'll be sharing the Lord's Supper together. Uh, we'll have one service at 1030 that day. There will be no Sunday school happening. So the month of November, Sunday school is absolutely different than what it ever is. Okay? And after that, we'll go back to our normal schedule. Uh, on that Celebration Sunday, by the way, we'll also be having a Thanksgiving church-wide potluck afterwards. We're going to have turkeys and all the fixings, and you're in charge of bringing your favorite Thanksgiving side dish to share. Right? Make sure it's low-carb, no-calorie. Right? <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. 
That leaves nothing. We'll bring celery. That'll be good. No. So uh, just for your information, put that on your refrigerator. Put it somewhere you, you know and remember. Set a reminder in your phone if you need to. Uh, we'd love to have you be part of those, those class times here together. I'm excited about that. All right, so we're in Psalm 18. We're going to be looking at the section of, of Scripture between verse 28 and 36 today. And I, I mentioned this last week that it's very important for us as we look at Scripture and we look at a passage that we're not just zeroing in on this, on this one passage and, and trying to explain it all away, where we need to look at it in, in context to what's around it. So Psalm 18 has been building for us, and I want to show how that's been building today. Um, we, we started the, the psalm with Psalm 18, we started with, with David's rejoicing, right? The first sermon was David's rejoicing, and he, he was crying out to God and thanking God for who he was, that he was his rock, his foundation, his footing, all these things, these amazing characteristics that uh, God showed. So that was who God was for him, and he was thankful, he was rejoicing over that. So there's something in us, right? We need to have an attitude of thankfulness. Then he moved in. We saw God's rescue. Not only did he say, this is who God is. Thank you so much for who you are. He cried out to God, and God moved. And I remember I used that phrase, what would it be like when God moves, right? And it's an amazing thing. It showed, it showed us in this passage <clears throat> that, that God, when he moves, the earth shakes and smoke and lights and sparks and whatever. And God is just moving. There's, the earth is shaking. It's huge. But then right at the end of that, what we saw in God's movement and God's rescue of David, we saw God's hand reached down and picked him up. And all that movement and all the, the circus and the lights and the, the clouds and the smoke and the thunder and the earth shake that is totally deserving of an almighty God moving, he reached down and picked him up. And there's a personal aspect to that in David's rescue. And David found that this mighty God who rescues him personally would become his reward. We saw that last week, that, that we looked at David's reward, and that David, David's reward was God, and that, that God would discipline him if necessary, and would discipline others, would discipline you and I, and that's a reward, that we'd be disciplined and corrected, but we'd also have someone to delight in, and someone who would delight in us, delighting in him. We saw that as David's reward. So it builds, and we build to this week, where we're looking at David's renewal. David's renewal. So I want us to understand that the, the previous three Sundays, the previous three messages as we talked about Psalm 18, are kind of this road that builds us up and leads us to renewal. So today as we look at renewal, because listen, I, I know <clears throat> that I hunger, I, I long for renewal, I long for something new in my life, for refreshment, for rejuvenation, we long for that. Those are words we use often. But there's a road that we take that gets us to a place where we can receive that renewal. Sometimes we sit there and we just wait, like I'm just going to sit, God, renew me. Renew me, renew, and it's, we're not, nothing's happening. Why are we not being renewed? Well, because we're not ready to receive that renewal from God. We haven't come to a place in our own heart of humility before Him. So notice, here's the road to renewal. If you want to use your notes for this, and you want to write these little, little uh, precursors down, I believe this is the, the kind of the precursor to every one of the aspects of renewal we'll see in the passage today. Here's what David's starting with, and that he starts with these first three messages we've already talked about. He starts with thankfulness, gratitude out of his heart. See, there's, it, there's a humility that it takes to put us in a thankful position, huh? It's not just about having head knowledge. It's about having heart knowledge and a heart connection to what God has done for you. So there's a thankfulness and a humility saying, God, thank you for being God. Thank you for whatever you're doing. And it's not just whatever you're doing. He comes to the rescue for us. And what he's doing is David's thanking God for God's continued faithfulness in line with his covenant love for us. See, God continues to be faithful to His covenantial love to us, and He continues that, and He continues that. It's like it's grace 
upon grace to us. And David is thankful for that. So he's thankful for how God has been faithful. You see how that starts to well up inside of a, of a heart and starts to position our heart to receive a renewal from God? He's thankful, right? He's thankful for how God has been faithful, but he didn't stop there. He knows that God is his reward. There's this great treasure that he has in God as his refuge, as his strength, as a firm footing. And he knows not only has God been faithful, but what? God will be faithful. God will be faithful. So the road to renewal starts here. It starts with thankfulness in God's faithfulness and then embracing God as this most majestic treasure that we could ever have and we embrace Him in faith for what He's going to do. And now, once we're there, we're in a place to be refreshed and renewed by God. These things we're going to talk about probably aren't likely to happen very, very strongly, at least in your life unless you're in that place where David was, where he was thankful for what God had done and, and what God was accomplishing in God's covenantial faithful love for David. And he was embracing in faith what God was going to do. And that's where we find ourselves today. So we're going to pray, and we'll read the text together, and then we'll, we'll check out these areas of renewal. Let's pray. Father, you are an amazing, amazing God. And we come to you today as, as your children, God, ready to hear from you what you'd have for us. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to the word of God, to the truths you have. That God, you would challenge us and change us, that you would mold us and make us into and conform us into the image of the Son, Jesus. We want to be more like him. We don't want more of us. We want to say no to us and yes to you. So God, help us today. Help our hearts change and soften. Help our minds connect with our hearts. Help us recall in thankfulness all you've done for us, and God, embrace in faith all that you're going to do. We trust you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're with me in Psalm chapter 18, we're going to read verses 28 through 36 together. Lord, you light my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. With you, I can attack a barricade, and with my God, I can leap over a wall. God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is pure. He is a shield to all who take refuge in Him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is a rock? Only our God. God, He clothes me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me securely on the heights. He trains my hands for war. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand upholds me and your humility exalts me. You make a spacious place beneath me for my steps and my ankles do not give way. Now we're going to stop and look at that today. We're going to break that apart. We're going to look at these aspects of renewal that David mentions. And, and you, you see him just bolster up and fortify himself with the strength that comes from real renewal from God. So what's the first aspect? The first aspect we see here he mentions is light. It's the first aspect of renewal. And you think about that. Think about the depth of renewal and, and what you need. There's light there. And what happens is, is the text says this in 28, Lord, you light my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. My God illuminates my darkness. That's, that's what we're talking about. Real renewal comes when we have the light of God in our life, when He can show us 
that we were living in absolute darkness. And here's what we do. We wander around aimlessly in the dark. Whether we're blindfolded or not, it's dark. And we're stumbling all around, rocks in the way, corners, limbs, whatever it is. We are running into those things. And, and as, as we go down that path of darkness, listen, society does it all the time. We wander around in darkness and try our best to do better around the next corner. But when we're running into so many difficulties because we can't see, we are getting beaten up and bruised and torn down. And eventually we just feel like what? I'm going to give up. I, there's no, no hope. And, and you know what? You're right. There's no hope on your own. The only hope we have is in Christ. The only hope we have is that God would illuminate it. God would, would shore those paths and he would guide us through those by himself. And David says, you're my light. You are my light. When I'm in that position of humility before God and thankfulness for what he's done and, and, and faith for what he's going to do, he can receive and understand that God is his light. God is his light. And there's a scripture, John 1, 4, says this about Jesus. In him, that's Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. What we're looking for is life. What we're looking for is real, confident assurance in life that this isn't all there is. That there's a longing for something more. We talked about that yesterday. We had a wonderful memorial service, a celebration of life for Donna Sanders yesterday. Amazing testimony of God's faithfulness, right? Of who God is and, 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 and life that's only found in Christ. And apart from Him, there is no life. There's only darkness and despair. And David cries out, You're my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. Isaiah 42, 16 says this, I will lead the blind by the way they did not know. I will guide them on paths they have not known. Listen, when we're navigating by ourselves, we're navigating blind in the dark at places we have never been and don't know anything about. That's dangerous. Both for our physical body and for our soul. He says, I will turn darkness to light in front of them and rough places into level ground. This is what I will do for them and I will not abandon them. That's what God says. When He's going to be the light, He says, I'm going to be the light that brings life. You're going to see where you're going and I'm going to guide you. It's not only that, here's the light, now go figure it out. I'm just going to be there and be your guide. I'll be the tour guide for the day. And there's such a confidence in that light. You see how David could praise God and thank God for that type of renewal. That he was renewed and the fact that God was light. The next part of the renewal is number two, it's courage and strength. Courage and strength is what we see David claiming from God. Look at verses 29 through 32 with me. With you I can attack a barricade, and with my God I can leap over a wall. God, His way is perfect, and the word of the Lord is pure. He's a shield to all who take refuge in Him. For who is God besides the Lord, and who is a rock? Only our God. God, He clothes me with strength and makes my way perfect. David needs courage and strength. And, and again, we'll see this over and over again as we look at this psalm. David is really having physical victories over his enemies, like battle-type victories. And when he talks about being able to attack a barricade and jump over a wall, he probably could with the help from God. But there is definitely a spiritual aspect to this, especially for us today, that, that th there is a strength and a courage that we need inside of our heart, inside of our soul, in order just to endure what we endure every day. How do you say it, though? He says, with you, I can attack a barricade. With my God, I can leap over a wall. 
See, he knows he can't do it on his own. And, and that's the depth of what we're talking about when we talk about renewal from God. You put, again, you put yourself in that position. You're thankful for the, how God has been faithful, and you put that humble heart before him, trusting in faith that he's going to continue to be faithful. And then God's like, you, you bet, I got you. Here's some courage, here's some strength, because this comes from me, and you can, you can bet I'm going to give it to you. So David gains that courage and that strength. But he's really impressed with it when he talks about character and strength. And for you and I to have renewal in this, we have to understand who God is. Understand the character and nature of who God is and, and who he's being displayed as here. If you look at this, this psalm, there's a couple places in here. He says, with you I can attack a barricade, and, and with my God I can leap over a wall. God, his way is perfect. So he's, he's kind of separating. He says, God. We're talking about God. His way is perfect. That means those other places you're trusting, that's not perfect, right? I can't leap over a wall with them or, barric- or, or attack a barricade. Uh, the word of the Lord is pure, right? And he is a shield to all who take refuge. And then he says in verse 31, for who is God besides the Lord? What's he saying? Where else can I turn? Where else can I go? There, there's no other God higher than you. And who is the rock? Only our God. God. He clothes me with strength and makes my way perfect. See, he's found this security and this footing and this strength and this shield and this refuge in God. And he says, there's nowhere else. There's nowhere else to go. I want to put myself here and I'll gain courage and strength. It's so important for us to be able to put our trust in the character of God. Listen, his actions are always resounding with justice and tenderness and truth and mercy and holiness. That's who He is. And, and His Word, He says His Word is pure. His Word is tried and true. We can trust it. His doctrines are pure. His promises are always faithful. That's who our God is, and that's who David understood Him as. And everyone who puts their trust in the Lord should have this great peace to enjoy, and this great strength to enjoy. And we'll build on the character of God in this. Keep your ribbon here in Psalm 18. When, turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> I want to build on this character of God and let it build more hope for our hearts. Because the enemy, here's the deal, when we don't put ourselves in a continual place of thankfulness in the faithfulness of God, and a continual place of faith in, in what He's going to accomplish for us and through us and by Himself for His glory, we don't put ourselves in that position continually. The enemy is going to get in. The enemy is going to invade, and the lies from the enemy will come in and say, who is he? Who's God? And David would say, he's God. There's no other God. But sometimes, in those weak moments, the enemy gets to us, and we forget. We forget who God is. And we ought not do that. So Romans 8, looking at verses 31 through 39 together. It says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? See, he's, and there's a lot of instances of the, of the word who here. You can circle it or underline it here. It's, saying, it's answering the question because Satan says, this person's against you and he's not for you. And then, so we, we have to answer that question. Who is against us? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. He will not, uh, how, how will he not also with him grant us everything? Verse 33, who 
Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Who? No one, right? God is the one who justifies. Verse 34, who? Who is the one who condemns? Satan is lying to us, right? Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, He has been raised and He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who condemns while Jesus Christ is interceding on our behalf to the Father for us? The answer is, who cares? He's got us. Verse 35, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, here's a perfect example of what he's saying. Because of you, we're being put to death all day long. We're counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Can that separate us? That's part of the question, right? What's it say in verse 37? No! No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Amen? See, we are more than conquerors when we are in Christ Jesus. When we have a faith and a trust, an assured trust in Christ Jesus, we're, we're, more, we're covered. And that needs to be renewed in us day by day so, so we don't get in those weak moments, but we get in that moment of renewal where we know that there's strength and courage because of who God is. And he goes on, Paul says in verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, these are the who's, who can separate us? Who can, get it, who can get in our mind, right? Death or life or powers or angels, heights or depth, or any other created thing. I'm convinced that they will not be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah. That's huge. And da- that's what David felt. That's what David knew. That's what Paul was expressing to the Romans. He said, listen, there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. Get rid of the who's and trust in Him alone. That takes us getting rid of those distractions, though, and that's tough to do sometimes. That's that's us getting in with Jesus face-to-face saying, you're everything I need. And I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to rejoice and thank you for what you've done and how faithful you've been, and I know you're going to still be faithful, so I'm going to put my trust in you that you are going to be faithful tomorrow, too. It's, It's... the process and circle of life in this way, or circle of, let's say, faith. We have these moments, like in the right now is that moment where, uh, it's a little antsy, I'm a little anxious, I don't know, I don't know. And we get through it because we trust and we pray and we get, we get through it and, and, get, and we're, okay, God took care of it. And the next day you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that, that we got through that one. Thank you, Jesus, that you carried me. Thank you, Jesus, that you were faithful. Thank you, Jesus, that, that you took care of it. Then the next day, something comes up. We're like, oh, I don't know. I'm a little anxious. I'm a little anxious about this. I'm not sure. Why are you not sure? What did he do yesterday? What did he do the day before? And, and that's just the cycle of, of faith. We need to be less and less anxious and more and more faith expressed to Jesus that he can take care of that. I know, I know there's hardships. I know there's issues, I know there's stress in our lives and and circumstances in our life, but we are more than conquerors because of Jesus Christ, and He sits at the right hand of God interceding on your behalf. If He is for us, who who can be against us? Answer? Nobody or nothing. Courage and strength are forged in our heart as we embrace who God is and who God says He is. 
Number three, this renewal, David says, is, is seen in stability. That's part of God, God's renewal in our life, that there be, there be stability in our life. And I know I long for that. I know many long for that. Again, remember, this is that road, though, to renewal. And in order to find that stability, you can't just sit here and be like, okay, God, make me stable. We've got to condition our heart to humble it before God, be thankful to Him for who He's been and how He's been faithful, and then trust Him in faith that He's going to do it again. And then He brings this stability. Psalm 18, back to Psalm 18, if you want to turn back with me. Hopefully you kept your finger there, your ribbon. Psalm 18. I realize I say ribbon a lot, like keep your ribbon there. Some of you may not know what that is. Some Bibles have a, a fancy little ribbon attached to it, right? So it makes it easy to turn there. Some, it's not all of them, but you can, uh, you can always add a bookmark. It's, it's amazing what we can find for bookmarks. My daughter, we read books at home, and, and we will have a bookmark in 15 different books, right? So we come to a page, like, okay, it's time to end that story right there. We'll pick it up tomorrow. She just looks for whatever's on the floor or whatever's close and says, I'll put that in there. It's my bookmark. I don't know. So you can grab whatever you need for a bookmark. Stability. Look at Psalm 18, verse 33. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me securely on the heights. It's amazing imagery, and we've talked about this several times because he's brought it up several times in the Psalms. From, I think, from Psalm 15 on through 18 and much of 18, the, the theme of a rock, of standing firm on a rock, of having stable feet, of not slipping, continues to come up and come up and come up. And with him, he is a rock. He's a firm foundation. It's firm footing. And in him, we can trust that we're not going to slip when we're in him, when we're trusting him in faith and when we're faithful to him. Uh, interesting, the imagery in Montana, we had mountain goats where I lived, and, and uh, they were really hard to get a hunting license for those. It was, it was a drawing that very rarely happened. But I remember we'd, we'd be across the river and watching mountain goats on, on the side of the hill, nay, the side of the cliff. That's where these mountain goats live. They were on the side of this rock face. And you'd look and be like, can an animal really stand right there? And you'd be glassing with your binoculars and looking, and, and you'd find some ledges. And, and seriously, they're like, they're standing on ledges that are probably that wide. And you wonder, how in the world can they do that? And then when they want to move, they just jump up to the next one, jump, 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 and they're gone. They're, they're so secure. Their feet are so amazingly, amazingly secure. And that's David's likening his stability in God the same way. What's really interesting, I've seen some videos of this where uh, I think it was on a, a, I guess, Discovery Channel thing, but there were mountain lion attacks on, on, or a mountain lion tried to attack a mountain goat. That kitty did not succeed. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. And, and cats are limber, and they're, they're great with that, but man, those mountain goats are something else. Right? There's feet on heights, secure on these rock faces. I don't even know how they got there. You see a mountain goat on the side of the hill. Where did it come from? How did it get to that place? Doesn't it know there's easier spots to, I don't know. Man, right? But that's the thing with us, right? We think there's the easier spot. We can just take the easy way out. But life's not always like that, is it? Life just doesn't hand us the easy spot to lay down in or walk in. So God knows. He's like, i got to make your feet stable, right? Secure like a deer. And listen, there are many times when, as God's children, there might be great temptations or trials or or pressures in our life, and, and we feel like we're right at the edge of that cliff and ready to fall. And what does God do in His, in his, his strength and in His faithfulness to us as we are faithful and express faith to Him? He makes our footing sure and secure. That's what God does for us. I, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. 
if you would. It's, uh, keep your ribbon here. It's a minor prophet book. So right now we're in Psalms. We're going to go to the right, and there's going to be the major prophets. And then after the major prophets, like Jeremiah and Isaiah, we're going to find the minor prophets. They're small books. You might, not, you might miss it real easy. You have Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Then you have Zechariah and Haggai. So that's kind of where we're going. So turn, if you would, to Habakkuk. I put my ribbon there so it was easy. It's one of those books, like some people say it's Habakkuk, some people say it's Habakkuk. I, I let my daughter just read it phonetically, and that's what we say, Habakkuk. So uh, we're in Habakkuk, and we're looking at, at chapter 3. I, I want to show some similar language here. And one of the things that is sometimes can be frustrating, you see David, and he's, he's got pressures, but in this psalm, he's like praising God that he's had victory over all his enemies. It's like, thank you for the victory you've given me over all my enemies, right? He's thanking God, praising God for that. And you and, you and I are like, yeah, David, it's easy to say thanks and praise when we've had victory. And, and it's easy when I see the enemy is just slaughtered before me and there's no more pressure on my nation that it, I can say thank you. But I want to show you the same language in Habakkuk and, and let you see that not everything has to be special and perfect and cupcakes and rainbows in order for this to be true. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses uh, 17 through 19. Here's, here's the, the scene, the scene, right? Though the fig tree uh, does not bud, and there's no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and, fa- and, uh, and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls. Victory or defeat? Right, defeat, despair. I mean, we're, we're in a pretty poor place right there, right? What's he say? Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. You see, it doesn't matter the circumstance that we're in. When we put our, our hearts in a humble place before God and giving Him thanksgiving and credit for His faithfulness and we continue to exhibit trust and faith in Him, He brings stability to us because He is always faithful and He has got us. No matter what we face, He has got us. And, and when we understand that the life He's given us is the most precious thing we can have, that should, we should be able to understand stability a little, little more deeply because they might be able to take my body and kill me but they cannot end my soul and my eternity. My hope is securely placed in Jesus Christ. And the truth is, whatever victory I have today, death will eventually take this body. But because I'm in Christ, my soul will live forever with Him. And it'll give me a new one. That's the great part. So stability. We see stability whether it's Victory, in victory or in hardship, we see the stability offered, this as part of a renewal. Going on, number four, we see wisdom. Number four is wisdom. Wisdom was granted to David. He says there in verse 34, in back in Psalm 18, sorry, we'll flip back to the Psalm 18. Verse 34, he trains my hands for war. He trains my hands for war. And the next part says, and my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Pretty interesting that uh, that bow of bronze, that's no such thing because you can't bend bronze like that. That's not a good bow and arrow. But he, that's going back to the strength and courage. God gave him strength. God provided what he needed, right? But in, in as far as training his hands for war, that word train is that, that's teach. We're going to teach. And I want to read a verse out of Psalm 25, 5, and I want you to kind of see this picture of 
what this should look like for you and I as children of God if we want to be taught by the Lord. The psalmist says, guide me in your truth and teach me. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. And the next part is kind of the scene, I wait for you all day long. And for me, I have this this scene of of a student in a classroom waiting all day long to be taught, yearning to be taught and guided by the truths of the teacher. For you and I, if we want wisdom, he's got it to offer. He's got it to teach us. We have to put ourselves in a place to be taught. That's, again, humbling our hearts before him in thanksgiving for who he is, for what he's accomplished by his faithful, steadfast love, and then in faith, trusting that he's going to provide and continue in his faithful love tomorrow. And that sets me up to be taught, to be teachable, to let God's word inspire my heart and bring wisdom to my life and discernment. It's you and I being willing to be a student and to let God teach us. Next thing we see is number five, protection. We see protection. This is an important aspect of of this renewal. It's an ongoing thing, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Protection, verse 35a, it says, You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand upholds me. Isn't that amazing? The right hand of God is upholding David. And he's upholding us to a faith in him as well. But this is a protection there. And God continues to show us grace and his support is given to us by that grace. He continues to protect us in grace. And and we talked about this uh, last week. Uh, I think last week or the week before. It all kind of runs together, right? But there's this refuge that we have in God. And and David's talked about finding refuge uh, in, in my refuge. My God is my refuge. And under the shadow of his wings. And we explained this, that this was the actual salvation of David. This was that moment when he said, I'm, I'm over me. I'm done with me. There's no way I can guard my own heart. There's no way I can guard my own mind. There's no way I can take care of my own soul or erase my own sin. So I'm going to go to the only one who can. And I'm going to take that step of faith right in and under in the shadow of his wings. And I'm going to let what he's accomplished for me, I'm going to trust in faith that what he accomplished for me was enough to forgive me completely, was enough to cleanse me wholly was enough to give me a righteousness that I so needed, but I could never, ever earn on my own. That's what we're talking about in this protection. Now, see, for you and I, as, as, as people who have come to faith in Christ, if you're a person who's come to faith in Christ and believe the gospel and, and let Christ forgive you, there was that moment you understood, I'm, I'm good, I'm protected, I'm sealed in Him, I'm going to heaven. But as part of a, a renewal, there's more to it. Because the work of the Christ, although it was once and done and finished for all, and never needs to be completed again, because God rose Jesus from the dead, victoriously conquering death, There's, it's done. Although, it's, although that is true, the work of the cross is continual for us. So we need to be in a place where we can receive that from God and say, God, continue to protect my heart, guard my heart, remind me of the great salvation you have accomplished for me. That's renewal, and David needed that, and you and I need that. How many times in those dark moments, in those despairing times, where you're sitting there thinking, am I, I don't know, am I really good with God? I don't, and that's good, that tests your salvation, right? Fear and trembling, figure that out. David's like, I, yeah, when I'm thankful, and I know what he's done for me, and I'm, I'm in faith, trusting him for what he's, what he's going to do, God continues to protect and guard my heart, because the work of the cross is continual for us. It continues, continues to renew us remind us of his protection of his safety it's a shield that goes with us wherever we go and it's so important for us to get that there's a protection 
in that. God's shield, God's protection is a divine gift for our heart. Not just for our soul, right? But for our heart to be resting and secure in that. I want to read from Psalm 28, 7. I want to kind of get this connection. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Okay, we read that, right? There's protection. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. Do you get that? That's renewal. That's what we're talking about. That's the continual work of the cross. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. I am helped. Therefore, my heart celebrates, and I give thanks to Him with my song. See, it's an overwhelming renewal that can continue to happen because of the work of the cross is continual. Yes, we come to Christ and we're, 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 we trust Him in faith that He can save and forgive, and He does, and we're protected for eternity for our souls. But He continues to offer that protection daily for our hearts, and we need that daily. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 makes this connection as well. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, there's our thankfulness we talked about earlier, right? In prayer, that's trusting in faith in God. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, right? Present your requests to God. Then verse 7 says this, and the peace of God, right? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, he is all about that protection for our heart and mind, making those connections and, and saying, listen, I've got you. I, I, I had you right there and you're, when you exhibited faith in me and I, I, your soul is taken care of, but I'm going to continue to guard your heart and your mind in Christ because I know you're going to need that. I know you're going to be reminded and renewed in that every single day. And oh, don't we? And David knew that too. And God offered him protection for his heart and his mind. Number six, the next aspect of renewal we see is honor. Honor. And this was a tough one. I, I, I read this, I wrote this. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I tried to wrestle with another word that we could use, and it just wasn't, wasn't right. And honor was what it was. So we're going to explain this. Look at Psalm 18, the last part of verse 35. It says, and your humility, he's talking to God, and God, your humility exalts me. Your humility exalts me. I was thinking about this between services. I'm like, it's got to be a really good illustration, maybe better than what I had. And I, we'll, we'll try it in a minute. I think I, I, think I might have got one. Uh, listen, we, we talked a couple weeks ago, God, when God moved. And we just said it a while ago too, right? Thunder and lightning and smoke and lights. And it was just, wow. And you didn't want to be around when God moved because likelihood if you're in, in that area, you'd be ran over or dead. You just, that's not, right? When, when everyone, can I see you, God? No, you don't want to see me if you... If, you maybe you can glimpse me, but if you see me, you're going to what? You're going to die. It's like, that's how powerful, huge, majestic, almighty God is. God is almighty, majestic, right? From everlasting to everlasting, he's infinite. There's nothing higher than God, nothing bigger than God. So how does God honor us? Well, remember, after all that smoke and lightning, and what did he do? He reached down to pick us up. He reached down to pick us up. And if you think about the humility of God, we talked about this. The humility of God, we talked about this, uh, I don't know, last Christmas or Christmas before. The humility of God was so evident, and we see it in, in Philippians 2. We'll see it in November. We talked about it during our November series uh, startup. But we see this the humility of God coming how? God came in the form of a baby. A baby. That we might have life. 
that we might be rescued, that we might be lifted up out of the mire and saved. And, and the powerfulness of that image, though, is this. Because we make no mistake, that little tiny helpless baby was the most powerful rebuke of the strongest person adult in the world. Because God had to come in the form of a baby to save even the strongest person on earth. And what a rebuke to us. What a, what a reminder that even in God's humility, He infinitely is more powerful and, and majestic than we could ever hope to be. But in that humility, He came to serve us, to give His life for us. What did Jesus do? That baby grew up, didn't He? And in humility, He humbled Himself and became obedient, Philippians says, to what? To death, even death on a cross. And because the Son of Man was killed and lifted up, we might be lifted up as well. David says, in your humility, exalts me. Here's the first part of the illustration. Isaiah 40, 11. He protects his flock like a shepherd. Now see here, we're getting a picture of this, aren't we? We're getting a great picture of this. He protects his, his uh, flock like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs in his arms. He carries them in the fold of his garments. He gently leads those that are nursing. He's God. And he looks at you and I who are weak and helpless, more helpless than a little baby in a manger. And he becomes the good shepherd for us. Sacrificing his life, letting go of his ego that he deserves, his majesty, and says, I'll, I'll humble myself in order to pull you close. I'll humble myself in order to just feed you what you need to be fed so you might be rescued. I'll gently lead you because I'm the good shepherd. It's an amazing image of God, the Father, coming to our rescue. The thing I thought about between services, I'm thinking, how do we apply that today? And how do I apply it to my life as a dad? You know, how, what are ways I humble myself to exalt my kids? Certainly, I want the best for my kids. I want their health, and I want their, their mind to be sharp, and, and to learn, and be taught, and trained, and I want them to know Jesus, and to know about the things of God. And, but I thought about, how, how does that look in humility? Well, it's, it's, oftentimes, it's giving of myself, right, to them. But, but I just, it was a simple thing to me, like, how do I exalt? What is exalting? It's lifting up. Here's the image. My kids are, they love to get a piggyback ride, right? And, and they do it usually when, I, when they didn't ask, and they just, they kind of ambush me. I'm in, a, I'm in a lowly, humble state, and usually it's sitting on the edge of my bed. I just, I sit on the edge of my bed, and I'm, I'm talking to Mathia or something, or, and they come in, they, they're on the bed, and then, as, as, wouldn't you know it, like moments later, without even any hesitation, legs are over my shoulders. Like they're on my, and I'm like, oh, Okay. I, we're going to do this now. And, and that, you know what? In that humility, I'm in that lowly place. I'm, I, maybe I was ambushed, and that's not, not how God is. But, I, I, hey, yeah, I'll pick you up. Here, let's go for a piggyback ride. Watch your head on the ceiling, right? But there are times also when we just give piggyback rides where I willingly get down low in order to pick them up and set them on my shoulders and walk around. Now, when you see a dad or a mom downtown at Fourth of July and they're carrying their, their son or their daughter or their niece or nephew on their shoulders, what do you think? Do you think that that parent is a weak, humble, someone that's been walked all over by their kids? No, you think that person's stronger than ever, lifting up the lowest and the weakest so they can have this ride and be exalted. 
God is not a pushover. God is not, in his humility, lower than us. God humbled himself to meet us where we're at and lift us up to be with him. The last thing we see here, freedom. The last part of renewal here is freedom. So we're thankful, right? We're thankful that for what God has done and his faithful love. We're trusting him now to do it again. And, and we're embracing him as the reward that he is. And in that faith, we trust him to continue to be that. And that renewal comes in the form of freedom. Verse, eight, verse 36 in chapter 18. You make a spacious place beneath me for my steps, and my ankles do not give way. There's space there. We, we saw that in some of the uh, past sermons where, where God, you know, the, the, he was in dire straits, and God cleared it and said, I'm going to put you out here where you can stretch and breathe. There's safety and security here. Walk here. And that's what he's saying again, that there's freedom given here. There's such a deep freedom, and we must cherish that freedom that comes from faith in Christ. We're, we're free from the burden of sin and guilt that's been placed on us justly because of our sin. And then Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross despising the shame that if you would trust in me that you would have life. And then that guilt and that shame can be lifted off of you because it was put on me and you could be free. And you could walk in spacious places with that freedom. But when we, when we embrace and cherish that gift of freedom that God gives us from our sin because of his accomplishment on the cross, we don't take that for granted. We're brought into a greater responsibility and enabled by God then to walk worthy of that freedom. We talk about obedience. Uh, there are times my kids, and most of the time because they're young, my kids, you obey. You will do what mama and daddy ask you to do. As they grow, though, we are giving them a, a longer leash. We're giving them responsibility because I want them to have a freedom to choose obedience. You know when you have the greatest freedom is when you can choose to obey. Because all you, if you have, to, you have to obey, there's no freedom in that. There's no choice in that. You just obey. But when you're given the choice, that's the greatest freedom of all. And we walk worthy of the freedom God has give us, given us by obeying Him in that freedom. And as we trust and obey Jesus, He is saying, I'm in, I'll give you some wide open spaces here. And I'm not going to allow your feet to slip. So if you and I are still slipping, then we're trusting in our own abilities to get us through. We're trusting in our own ability to bring our own freedom. That what we can create is the freedom that we want, and that is never true, and it never works out best for us. Instead, we need to embrace the work and power of Christ inside of us. He gives us the freedom, and then He enables and empowers us by Him to live in that freedom. Last passage I want to turn to is Matthew chapter 11. So we're done in Psalm 18 for today. Go to Matthew chapter 11, if you would, with me. <clears throat> Let's see what that freedom looks like. Let's see what that renewal of freedom should feel like. So Matthew 11, we're looking at verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light.
know, we can't add it when we can't adequately put ourselves in that in that humble position before God, a thank with a thankful heart, with a trusting heart that He's going to continue to accomplish and provide and renew our heart. We tend to take the reins back, don't we? And when we take the reins back, listen, this is what happens, church. When we take the reins back, we start to take too much of the reins. We start to put too, much, too many of the saddlebags on our back. and We put rocks and boulders and backpacks, and we try to carry a load that we were never intended to carry. And Jesus all the while was like, what are you doing? I was carrying that just fine. See, he wants us to come to him with that attitude of thankfulness, of, of faith and trust, as, as him being our greatest reward placing those burdens that we have placed on our own shoulders back on Him. And then He says, my burden and my yoke, they're, they're easy. I'm going to give you a light load. The load I'm going to give you, will, with the load I'll give you, you'll find rest for your souls. You see, that's real freedom. And that's real renewal. So for you and I, it's the question of where is our heart? What's the attitude of our heart and condition of our heart? Have we put ourselves in that position? to receive that renewal from God? Or are we just keeping Him at arm's reach, saying, ah, nope, let me, let me try to figure it out. I'll work it out. I'll take care of it. God's like, no. No, you won't. But I already did. I already did. All right, let's stand and pray. Father, we are are amazed by who you are. And, and God, as we look to your word today, we've seen just more and more of the character and nature of our God. God, help our hearts to catch up. Humble our hearts. God, give us hearts and attitudes of gratitude. God, thanksgiving from inside. Thankful for, for who you are and who you've been time and time again, not only in our lives, but the lives of people around us and the lives of the prophets have come before Father, you are always faithful, and we are thankful for your faithfulness. But God, increase our faith. Let us embrace you as the faithful God that you are, as a treasured reward that you are, trusting that you are going to continue to be faithful as well. God, help us to say no to us and say yes to you. God, we want, we want more of you in our lives. We want more of your renewal. We want to be held firm by you. And we want rest and peace for our souls. We thank you that we can have that in Christ Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, as we close, it's, it's our time to respond now with worship.